Welcome once again to this meeting of Stableford Baptist Church. You're watching online as the COVID limitations still prevent us meeting sensibly in our building. Uh, we hope soon that it'll be possible to meet again in the building, but uh, with the increased restrictions recently, that seems a little bit farther away than we hoped. We're living in fearful times, and that's the uh, thing we're going to be thinking mostly about today. Fear, but hope as well. So we pray that this service will be a real help to you to have hope in the Lord Jesus Christ in the middle of a world which is, frankly, not an easy one to live in at the moment. So let's pray and ask God to be with us this morning and to reveal something of himself to us, to stir in us a hope rooted firmly in our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we want to say thank you so much that we can join together like this and wherever we are watching this, we pray that you would come and minister to us by your Holy Spirit. Stir in our hearts a deeper love for you. Draw us close to you. Reveal something of yourself to us. In the singing, in the reading, in the preaching. Father, we pray that even though we can't meet together physically as we would like, nevertheless, you can visit us where we are and minister to us in the point of our need. We pray that you would give us joy, even if it's in the midst, middle of sadness, as we focus our thoughts and minds upon you. We pray that you would limit the distractions which can so easily draw us away from hearing what your Spirit wants to say to us. And we pray that your truth will be deeply planted in our hearts today and bring forth fruit of righteousness in our lives and in the lives of people around us. We pray this for the sake of our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, our King and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, we're going to sing two songs to, uh, before we... Um, read God's word. Jesus is king and I will extol him. We're going to sing of Jesus our king and then we're going to sing of his amazing goodness to us that saved a wretch like me, like you, I trust. And after that, uh, Dan is going to read to us from God's word from Psalm 27, the topic of our service today. So let's sing and then Let's listen to Dan. Hello. Today's reading is taken from Psalm 27. Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is a stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. 
One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high up on his rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At this sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make the music of the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says to you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your soul away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me. God, my saviour. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me the way, Lord. Lead me in the right straight path because of my oppressors. Do not hand me over to the desire of my foes. For fault witnesses rise up against me, shouting malicious accusations. I remain confident in this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart, and wait for the Lord. Amen. Well, thank you, Ruby, for telling us a little bit about the issues facing students at the moment. And we're going to pray now. Uh, we'll pray particularly for students, but generally for the difficulties that many are facing at this time. Let's pray. Father, we thank and praise you that you are the great and the mighty God. And you know your people intimately in every situation, whether they are students trapped almost in the places where they live, cut off from their teachers, cut off from their uh, course mates, cut off from other Christians who they normally would meet with uh, from time to time. We thank you that they have access to uh, internet communication just as many of us do, uh, so we can have some kind of fellowship online. But we know it's not the same as the real thing. But we pray that out of these limitations, you would bring glory to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that many might drop in, as it were, who would never normally drop into a Christian Union meeting, who would never drop into a church service and would listen online and begin to think about you and the claims that you have on their lives. Just as we've been singing, we want many people to know that it's only in Christ that hope can be found. But it's a supreme hope, not a hope for today, but a hope for eternity. And we pray, Father, that such a hope might percolate into the minds and hearts of many who haven't really considered these things before. We wouldn't have chosen to have a lockdown. We wouldn't have chosen to be uh, attacked by a virus. We would have kept these things a long way away from ourselves. But you are the sovereign Lord, and you know exactly what is needed in everybody's lives. And we pray, Father, that therefore you would use what we often see as an evil for your good, and you would bring glory to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ out of this lockdown. 
We pray for one another in our loneliness, uh, in our isolation. We pray for uh, those who are particularly worried about health issues at this time. We pray, Father, that you would reveal something of the Lord Jesus Christ to us all. And we pray that we may rejoice in our Saviour, the Lord Jesus. We do pray particularly for our students, as we've already said, because they have particular issues to deal with. And we pray, Father, that you would give them wisdom, that you would uh, protect them from homesickness when they have to live with people who treat lockdown lightly or when they have to live with people who share none of uh, the love of the Lord Jesus Christ that they have. We pray that you would use them as lights on a hill, a salt in a tasteless world to bring preservation, to bring salvation. We read in your scriptures of how Paul uh, was put in prison in Rome, yet his testimony was able that he was able to speak to the whole of the Praetorian Guard who had to protect him. They were uh, people who couldn't escape. They were forced to be with him. And maybe that's the situation for some of our students who are forced to be with people who they wouldn't by nature choose to be with. We pray that they would be able to witness to your goodness, to your love, uh, and would be able to reveal Jesus to people who otherwise would have had no time for him. So out of this, we pray that you would bring great good fortune to many. And so exalt the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. For Jesus is King, as we started our service today. And we pray that many might discover the King for themselves and worship him forever. And now as we come to your word in a moment or two, we pray, Father, that you would expound it to our hearts, that your spirit would be alongside us, so that uh, as I speak uh, the words which you've uh, given to me, uh, we would all understand what you have to say. We pray, Father, that uh, they wouldn't hear me, they'd hear you. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Well, just before I do return to bring God's word to you from Psalm 27 this morning, we're going to uh, sing about the peace that we have because of the hope we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. When peace, like a river, touches my soul. Let's uh, sing, to, sing together as uh, a worship of our Saviour. Hello. Today we're going to be looking at the topic of hope and fear. I guess that many of us, a little before Christmas, had our hopes raised. We heard that there was going to be a vaccination program. Some vaccines had been approved and were being rolled out in small numbers at the beginning, but increasingly. We thought that this would address the COVID problem. And we could see in our mind's eye the time when we could get back to normal. Slowly, the uh, vaccination would propagate through the population. Fewer and fewer people would catch the disease, fewer 
would get it passed on to them. Good news, hope. But then along came January. A new strain of virus had arrived. It was much easier to catch than the previous one. Many people were becoming infected, more than 50,000 a day. The death rate has climbed so that in recent days it's reached even more than when the virus first struck back last spring. And we're fearful. Will I catch it? Hope has been dashed. Well, maybe that's not your experience, though I know it's the experience of many. But maybe your theory is more general about your health, or you're fearful of the prospects of the future regarding employment or unemployment. Maybe you're fearful about your finances. Maybe it's the disruption to your education that you're worried about that's really unsettling. You thought after last spring's disruptions and the summer exam grades fiasco, you'd be able to study and work more sensibly and effectively towards your future. But now it's all in a shambles again. You don't have a clue how anything sane is going to come out of this mess. And no one in authority seems to have much clue either. Maybe it's something else that you are fearful of. Maybe you hoped at the turn of the old year and the beginning of the new that 2021 would be much better than 2020. But at the moment, it seems worse. And you're fearful. Will we ever really get out of this mess? Maybe there are problems in your family, problems of relationship, provoking fear and uncertainty. All of us from time to time, sometimes more strongly than others, experience fear. Sometimes hope springs up, but sometimes fear seems to come and dash that hope. So as we look at these two topics this morning of fear and hope, maybe first of all we should have some definitions. What is fear? What is hope? Well, I didn't look in the dictionary. I know that other people do those sort of things, but I didn't. Um, it seemed to me that fear is experienced when some situation is challenging and we don't have a solution to it. We don't have the power to stop whatever crisis uh, is around from occurring and affecting us. Well, hope, on the other hand, is when the situation we don't like can be overcome either by ourselves, by our own energy and power and things we do, or maybe by somebody else doing something. Maybe there's an element of wishful thinking in hope, for sure, that's true. Um, but when fear is looming, we need some hope, don't we? And we get fear when there's not much hope, and we get hope when there's not much fear. Well, here today we're looking at Psalm 27, which was read to us earlier. David is in a fearful position. His enemies, we discover in verse 12, are slandering him. They're chasing after him. They're hoping even to kill him, we see in verses 2 and 3. They're everywhere, as it says in verse 6. And he can't get to the place where, in his society, in the religious framework of his age, he needs to get to worship God. So he feels cut off from God as well, as you can see in verse 4. And then from verse 10 
we find that even his family has disowned him. So here he is, threatened and maligned by his enemies, the victim of a family breakdown and spiritually isolated. I know that some of you would be able to identify with the same situation as David was facing. Because you have been, maybe still are, suffering similarly. You've been threatened. You've been maligned. You've suffered a family breakdown. You've felt spiritually isolated. Well, there's no doubt that David is in a very bad place. And it's easy to see why he might be fearful. But David has another fear too. Not quite so tangible, maybe, but just as worrying to him, or maybe even more so. Will God listen to him when he calls on God? See what it says in verse 9. David certainly hasn't been as good as he should be in order to be able to worship God as God deserves, as God wants. So he's nervous. Maybe God won't hear his prayer when he prays to God. He's going to need mercy. So here too he's a bit fearful. Will God really listen to him? This can be a worry to anyone who's realistic about their spiritual performance. None of us can hold up our lives as pure and holy in thought, word and deed to a holy God. If we come to God, will he hear us? So in this situation, what does David do? What should we do? And that's what I particularly want to think about today. How should we behave in the situations we find ourselves in when we're fearful? We may not be chased by our enemies who are trying to kill us as David was. There may not be anyone spouting out malicious accusations against us as they were against David. We're probably facing other problems and concerns. Maybe one's due to COVID, as I mentioned earlier. Maybe one's due to loneliness. Maybe one's of finance or more general health issues. There's 101 things that we might uh, face which cause us fear. But as we look at this psalm and see how David addresses his fears, maybe we can learn a few lessons about how to address our fears. David is honest about his fears in this psalm, but he has a lot of hope as well. He comes with fear, but he leaves with hope. So maybe this morning, as we look at this psalm, if we're coming as rather fearful people, maybe we will be able to leave with hope, like David did. So let's look at David's first response. And you'll find this in the first two verses, principally, of this psalm. You see that he starts with God. What a wonderful thing to do. He starts with statements about the greatness of God and the hold that God has got on the situation in which he is. David's hope, and our hope, must be centred on God's character. Yes, as we read through this psalm, we'll find that David's confidence is somehow, sometimes a little bit wonky. Uh, we'll get to that a little bit later. But he knows that there is no one else like God who is certain and reliable. Look what he says in verse 1. The Lord is his light. That's to say, the Lord is his source of understanding. Someone who reveals what is good and perfect and shows up evil for what it is. By the searchlight of God's own holiness. Then David says that the Lord is his salvation. 
Only the Lord can rescue him. And only the Lord Jesus Christ can rescue us. Only the Lord Jesus Christ can rescue us from the evil one. Only the Lord Jesus Christ can rescue you and me from our own weaknesses or the consequences of them. Only the Lord Jesus Christ can rescue uh, you from your fears and me from mine. And only the Lord Jesus Christ can rescue us from death itself. But this deliverance, this rescue, uh, isn't about the removal of the problem, as we can see from verses 2 and 3. David's under attack from all sorts of uh, things, as I mentioned earlier, but his problems aren't removed by the Lord. Rather, the Lord is his stronghold in the middle of those problems. The Lord protects him. The Lord preserves him and leads him through to safety in the middle of that trouble. You'll see that in verse 5. But as well as being his light, his salvation and his stronghold, down in verse 4, we read that he views the Lord as beautiful. Sometimes he may have had difficulty in seeing this, but he knows there is no one comparable with the Lord. There is no one who can be compared with the Lord Jesus Christ in the glorious attractiveness of his character. Take a good look at Jesus Christ. That has to be part of our strategy to overcome fear. Spending time looking at our situations can so easily make our problems seem greater and our fear will increase. Spending time contemplating Christ will make the solution seem greater and hope will increase. But there's something else we ought to notice as well. David makes his statements about the greatness and beauty of the Lord in the form of a challenge to himself. Not what he says at the beginning. The Lord is my light, he's my salvation, he's the stronghold of my life. So whom am I going to fear? Who am I going to be afraid of? He uses these statements about God, these truths about God, to challenge the negative and fearful attitude that he has. I guess we all talk to ourselves from time to time. Some people do it out loud. Some people are doing it in the quiet of their own heads. But we can follow David's example. Jesus Christ is my salvation. Is that so? Yes, it is. Then what I'm going to do in this fearful situation I'm facing, it's not going to be to worry and to fear. No, I'm going to look at the Lord Jesus Christ. Is it realistic to fear when I know what God has done for me in Jesus? If Christ has a strong grip on me, if that's true, can I really be shaken by this situation I'm in? Who would be able to get at me? No one, if Christ is supporting me. Maybe we all need to do a little bit more talking to ourselves, a bit more ramming of God's word down our throats, so to speak, to make us realise the truths that we believe in. You know, there's an enemy of our souls out there, and he would like God's truths to be as far away from us as possible. For many in our nation, he's managed to get God's truths ignored completely. But if he can't get us to ignore them completely, then the next best thing is to make us behave as if they don't apply to me, as if they don't apply to you. 
if we can be persuaded that God's truths are true in general, but not applicable to me or to you individually, he's won 99% of the battle. Our defence against him is to bring the truth of God face to face with ourselves and the way we think and the way we live. If the Lord Jesus Christ is your light and your salvation and your stronghold, how should that change your outlook, your understanding? How should such statements change your response to the situations that are challenging you today? Well, that's the starting point that David has. Let's now look at David's second response. And he's certainly not forgetting the troubles he's under. The wicked are advancing against him. They want to devour him. They want to kill him. An army is besieging him. And he's expecting that war will break out against him. He's under severe attack. You look down at verse 12. Uh, you see that his enemies, as I said before, are not just physical. They're slandering his character as well. They're trying to get everybody else to gang up against him. And his family seems to have done that already. So here he is in this dreadful situation. So what's the second thing he does? Well, he prays. He prays to God. You know, even people who haven't followed God in their lives are often prompted to pray in the, when they're in extremity, when they're in a corner. It was said, wasn't it, in the First World War that there were no atheists in the trenches. Well, it's always good to pray in good times or in worrying times. So it's no surprise to see David praying here, as we see from verse 4 down to verse 12. How would you pray in David's situation? What would be the first thing that you would say to God uh, in a situation like David's? Considering the worries and fears that you have today, what's the first thing you're going to pray? How do you pray when you're facing problems of health, when you're facing problems of relationship in families, when you're facing worries about money, about uh, employment, or all these other things? How do you pray? You see, I think you may be a little bit surprised, but I hope helped a lot, when we see how David prays. The first thing I want you to notice that he does pray for deliverance from the awful and worrying situation he's facing. But that request is at the end of his prayers in verses 11 and 12, not at the beginning. Although his problems, the persecution he's under, the threats he's facing are certainly the reason that he's spurred to prayer. These problems are not the main content of his prayer and they're definitely not the topic with which he starts. We've already seen that he starts with God's character. But when he comes to pray, uh, he starts with a big prayer asking that he can live close to God. He wants to enable, he wants God to enable him to see God, to see the Lord as the Lord really is. And he goes further. He commits himself to keep seeking after the Lord. You can see that in verse 8. David's request for help in his, current in his current troubles is so far down his list of things that he can say in verse 4, 
one thing I ask for. It's his supreme request. It's the request that's so big in his mind of such overriding importance that he wants from the Lord to see the Lord, to know the Lord. He wants to be able to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of his life and gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him always. Any other prayer requests, though he's got a few later on, are tiny compared to this big and important prayer request. When a Christian dies, and I hope uh, when you're looking at this video, you're a Christian, when you die, what will you see? Well, isn't it the Lord Jesus Christ in all his incomparable beauty? In his first epistle, we have in uh, the Bible, the Apostle John says, now that we are children of God, what we will be has not yet been known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. A Christian, when he meets the Lord Jesus Christ, will see Christ as he really is, in his complete glory and in his complete beauty. The famous passage in the Bible book of 1 Corinthians, that's often read at weddings, uh, when we have weddings, that is, says, now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I will know fully. David's prayer is in effect, let me catch a glimpse now and let my view of the Lord get better and better each day. And he tells himself to get on. <clears throat> with getting to know the Lord. And he commits himself to do this, as you can see in verse eight. He redoubles his request in verse seven when he asks the Lord to be merciful and to hear and respond to his prayers. And he pleads with the Lord in the second half of verse seven and in verse eight and in verse nine, that the Lord won't prevent him from reaching his target of knowing the Lord better. That the Lord won't reject him or place him at a distance. So desperate is he to get to know the Lord up close and personal. Don't hide your face from me, he says. Don't turn your servant away. Don't reject me, God my Saviour. He says, let me find you. Let me get close to you. David has set his mind and his heart on getting to know God better. And we should do the same. We do it by reading his word, the Bible, and discovering more about him there. We do it, as the Bible book of Colossians puts it, by seeking the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, by setting our minds on things that are above, not on things on earth. It's a conscious choice to direct our hearts towards God. And it requires active calling and even pleading with God, as David did. Open my eyes, Lord. And as David told his son Solomon later, if you seek him, he will be found by you. David's prayer was answered because he sought God tenaciously. So why does he pray like this? Why does he think praying about seeking God is the right thing to pray in his situation full of worry and concern? 
Why don't his petitions about safety, about escaping from his oppressors, his persecutors, get a higher priority? Fortunately, David gives us the answer in verses 5 and 6. It's because when David finds his saviour, then he knows that he's safe. And when we find our saviour, we'll know that we're safe. And the more we find our saviour, the closer we get to him, the more we'll realise how safe we are. David is being pursued for his life, but he has the view that safety is by being with the saviour. Safety is being with Jesus Christ. Now, you might well want to point out to me that littered through history are examples of believers who prayed passionately to God uh, and died by illness, by famine and by the sword. So how can this possibly be true that being close to Christ brings safety? Only this last week, our brother Ken died of COVID-19, even though he, more than many of us in Stateford Baptist Church, I guess, was someone who sought God. So is David deluded? Was Ken deluded? But to think such a thing is to miss David's viewpoint entirely. David's understanding here is that being with God is the answer to all external challenges. Consider the story of Paul and Silas who were thrown into prison. You can read about it in the Bible book of Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas there, we're told, are able to sing praises to God even though they've been severely flogged and there's the distinct possibility that they will soon be killed. The pain and the threats haven't been removed but these have been swamped out by the hope they have in Christ. They've seen how wonderful Christ is. They've understood his greatness. They've understood the depths of his love for them, especially on the cross, dying in their place. They've come to see Christ's beauty and the wonder of his person. They've come to see the amazing promise of a home in heaven prepared, prepared for them by Christ. They've been overcome by hope. The things causing fear have not gone, but hope has rushed in and washed the fear of those things away. Look at this psalm. Was David's fear removed? Yes, it was, because he's certain that in the day of trouble, he'll be okay. See that in verse 5. He's sure that God will give him a standing far removed from those who've put false accusations and slanders against him. Also in verse 5. He's confident that God will be good to him even in this life, let alone in the next, as you'll see down in verse 13. Yet even so, he does have one niggling fear. And that is that the Lord will refuse to be seen. The Lord will refuse to be found. He wants to see the Lord. He wants to know the Lord better. He wants to get close to the Lord. But will God allow it? Even though he's seeking God, will the Lord allow David to find him? Look at verse 9. God has every right to refuse David. He's a sinner. David hasn't lived how he should have done. There are many reasons why God should turn away from David and not be found. But then David remembers at the end of verse 9 that the Lord is his saviour and his fears evaporate. God has saved him. The Lord will allow himself to be found. 
If David seeks God, David will get to know God better. And if we seek out the Lord Jesus Christ, we will get to know him better. And so at the end of his prayer, he's ready to pray about his situation almost as a byline. Keep me going in your way, O oh God. Don't let my enemies get the upper hand. And so we see finally David's hope, particularly in verses 13 and 14. Tremendous verses following his prayer. He finishes full of hope. His confidence is in the Lord and he can say that even if his enemies do seem to triumph for a while, nevertheless he knows that eventually all will be well. He will see the Lord just as he's prayed. So he's going to wait patiently in confident trust, a sure hope. No cross fingers here, no wishful thinking, but a confidence with foundations firmly resting on the goodness of the Lord. And this is a confidence that you and I can share in. Let us, like David, first give ourselves a good talking to about who the Lord Jesus Christ our Saviour really is. Let's remind ourselves of his character, his plans and his actions on our behalf. Then let's make knowing our Saviour more completely, more closely, a top priority. Then we'll gain confidence in the Lord, who answers the prayer as we ask to know him better. Then our prayers about our struggles and worries will find their correct place in the near presence of the Lord, who loves us and has died to save us. As I said at the start, fear is experience, where you're concerned that there will be a bad outcome to a situation that you don't have any control over, that you don't have any power to prevent. But when we begin to see Jesus as he really is, then we come to realise that our issues, our concerns, are all in the hands of the King of Kings, in the hands of the Lord of Lords, the person who is sovereign over everything and always. And he is the one who loves us and who wants us, his followers, to receive his treasures, his goodness. And that's when hope flowers. I pray that you will discover this week more about the Lord Jesus Christ and your hope will surge as you consider your wonderful Saviour. And now we're going to turn to our last song. And after that, there'll be a prayer for us to pray together. God bless you until we meet again.